Good morning, folks. We are gathered here today to celebrate the joy of holidays and traditions and discuss some of the ways that this may affect you as an Anabaptist person or as a former Anabaptist person. Unfortunately, I did not get my church cleaning done, so we're going to meet online instead of at my house. Hopefully, what you can see of my recording area is actually church ready. And with that, I'd like to say thank you for attending this episode of Coffee with Friends. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I have here with me today a wonderful person named Hope Ann. She works at A Better Way as a co-founder there. And we were talking the other day about how the holidays had affected us and all of that. So would you like to say hello, Hope Ann? Hello, my friend Mary and everyone else. Oh, and Sarah says good morning. Good morning, Sarah. How are you doing? Uh, so one of the things that we had talked about a little bit was how like we had all of this family inside of the Anabaptist churches. But here's the thing is for those who don't know, Hope Ann was not born into the church, right? That's right. So how old were you when you joined into the churches? I don't remember exactly for sure. What I do know is I had completed second grade and we moved right soon after school was out into a plain community. And then I spent the rest of my childhood, teen years and young adult years in that community. Yeah. So did you remember what holidays were like before you joined the, uh, your family joined the church? Oh, definitely. Because especially for Christmas, that was such an important holiday. And that was so important to me that my parents changing, even though we were in a very um, conservative Wesleyan Methodist church, changing to a very, very, very conservative Mennonite church meant a huge change in holiday traditions and a loss of many, many holiday traditions. That's really sad. That was pretty rough. So what type, well, first off, how are we? I, I, Sarah says she's hanging in there. How are we? I'm, I'm going to say I'm pretty damn good. I have my resting Grinch face cup. It's, it's really cool. Perfect for the seasons. But it's Howdy, tea at this Emma. house. It's tea at your house. You don't drink coffee with me? <laughs> no. I'll enjoy the smell of it. Oh, it smells really good. Howdy, Emma. Um, so anyways, we're all doing, we're doing good. I'm doing great. Uh, 
but yeah, going back to like, what was the traditions that once you, your parents joined the church, like how did that change? Like what types of traditions did you lose? I don't remember all the traditions we lost, I'm sure, because I was so young when we moved. But I do know that we, of course, lost our 4th of July traditions, which would have been to go to a parade and watch fireworks. And typically we would have had like maybe a picnic or something that day. So we pretty much lost all of that. And then for Christmas, we would have been used to, even though it was clearly a religious celebration, and the meaning of Christmas was very clear to me because we were in a church that would have, of course, taught about the birth of Jesus and everything. And so the church celebration was very much centered around that. We would have had a church Christmas play that the children would have done, which was a ton of fun. I always loved being a part of that. We would have had, of course, the Christmas hymns and special music and then we always had a Christmas Eve service, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and one of the traditions that I especially remember fondly was the tradition was to hand out like a brown, a small brown paper bag, and that would have like an orange and often a couple small, the miniature candy bars, and maybe some homemade cookies and a little bit of hard candy. And that was really special because we didn't get a lot of treats like that otherwise. And so I always looked forward very eagerly to that. It was hard to lose that. And then, of course, we would have always decorated simply, but, you know, we would make like a string of popcorn and cranberries and decorate a little tree. And we had some old-fashioned vintage or ornaments and little handmade things that, you know, the kids had made. Like I said, you know, there was no going out to Hobby Lobby and blowing a couple hundred dollars and decorating the tree. It was, you know, it was, it was frugal because... Well. <laughs> it needed to be, but we did that and it was special and fun and important. And then we would have always, of course, had some simple gifts. Um, relatives would have sent those. Typically, my parents may have tried to get us a little something. I still remember one gift that my uncle and aunt sent one year, and that was like a little ceramic, almost like a nest. It was probably intended to be like a dog bed, but I always thought of as thought of it as a nest and it had little dogs in it. And then all around the edge of this little ceramic or porcelain nest, it was glued a little tiny strip of um, white fur. That sounds really adorable. Yeah, it was. And it's in retrospect, it's a little interesting that they gave it to such a very young child, but I just treasured it and loved it. And of course, you know, there were the dolls um, that I would be given. My brothers, I think, got given Legos sometimes. You just never knew. Books, usually from my one grandparent, they were great about always making sure we got given books. So it wasn't like a big, fancy, expensive thing, but it was just fun. And like I said, I really treasured the church play. I treasured 
you know, that Christmas Eve service, typically the church play was like on a Sunday morning. The Christmas Eve service was a second service. And the music, always the music. So losing so much of that when we became conservative Mennonite was a challenge. For one thing, we were no longer allowed to have any music unless it was strictly a cappella. So that meant all our Christmas records and tapes and things were gotten rid of. We didn't, um, we were no longer allowed to have a tree, of course. So my parents got rid of, you know, all our little vintage ornaments and treasured little things, bits and bobs. Um, there was no more such thing as church play, you know, the little children's church play. Um, we didn't do a Christmas Eve service. The one tradition that carried over a little bit would have been in my early years in that congregation, they would have done Christmas caroling out in the community. And I loved that because it was something that was still reminiscent of my childhood prior to becoming plain. But yeah, a lot of it just disappeared. Would it have been a cappella as well? Rather like no mu no musical instruments? Right, exactly. Yeah. But, but still. But still, at least you were out with your friends and you got to see other people's trees and lights. <laughs> and, <laughs> and because we were in a hospitable area of the country, typically they would bring out like a plate of cookies or candy and, you know, everybody was supposed to take some. So that was that was a little bit fun. Um, yeah, but in late, but in as the church moved on as time moved on they got less and less supportive of caroling even oh yeah and so it was no longer like really a church activity if just one person wanted to try to get something together and try to do it but it just yeah it, it kind of lost some of its luster and fizzled a little bit with that approach and then the, the first year my husband and I got married, the church that he was a part of, which was a different one than the one I had grown up, even though it was in the same denomination, um, they announced that they had a Christmas Day church service. So I was ex a little bit excited about that. I thought, oh my goodness, you know, this will be great. We'll get up and go to church and have a Christmas service. And then we'll come home and eat our, you know, first newlywed Christmas dinner. And lo and behold, we go to the church. They do not sing one solitary single song about Christmas, even though there were a few in their acapella hymn book. And what? no, not one single solitary song. And then the preacher got up and spent the whole time talking about how we're not paying attention to the birth of Jesus like the heathens. Are you freaking kidding me? That was basically the gist of the sermon that we should not be celebrating Christmas because, you know, his death and resurrection. And I was so shocked. I was so stunned. I came home and I told my husband, but you don't have any death and resurrection if he wasn't born. Hello. <laughs> I mean. 
<laughs> it just, uh, oh my goodness. So we do have a few comments as well. Um, I just, I can't with the, the insanity with like how they present things. And then there's this complete utter lack of like, if you believe that, you know, Christmas is for Jesus. So there's people that follow all kinds of holiday tradition. There's the Jewish people who celebrate mm -hmm. like Hanukkah. There's exactly. people who celebrate Yule. There's people who, you know, and, and all of them have their individual meanings about it. But at the end of the day, like, how do you sit there and, and you say that you believe that Christmas is about the birth of Jesus, but you don't celebrate that at all? Because why would you, why would you have a church Christmas day service and drag everybody out of bed early to come to church? If you only want to bash the idea that you should pay any attention to the birth of Jesus because somehow his death and resurrection is what is important. And we don't want to talk about his birth except to bash it. I, I never, me being the logical thinker I am, I never ever did make sense out of that one. Thankfully, by the time the next Christmas came around, we had moved. Oh, good. I'm so glad <laughs> you moved. <laughs> Maybe that Christmas Eve service had just a little bit to do with, or Christmas Day service had a little bit to do with it. No, not really. We did relocate due to other reasons, partially, including my husband's need for work. But I... Might have been least, a good thing. I at least, thankfully, was not drug out of bed on Christmas Day to come to church to listen to a sermon bashing Jesus' birth. That's very interesting. Very, very interesting. They just I didn't wonder what do our... a Christmas Day service at the new church, even though it was still in the same denomination. Yep. That's very, very interesting. I just can't with that mentality. Um, I do want to share with you that some of our listeners have some comments for you and your story and a lot of empathy for you, what you went through. Um, Marlene says, good morning. Good morning, Marlene. <clears throat> and we have Ruthann talking about good morning gift discussions. She got a few gifts throughout childhood. That's wonderful. That is fantastic. It's better than many, many people's experiences. See, we always got gifts, but we got gifts that were like a dress or it was strange. It was strange. Oh, and Ruthann says she didn't go on drives for the purpose of looking at lights. But looking at lights is so fun. It is. It's one of my favorite really holiday is. things. And I love being able to freely enjoy all that stuff without any feeling of shame or guilt or condemnation again. Right. And in a little bit, we'll get into like what we do today. But she enjoys hearing your history. That is fantastic. Hmm. And learning how diverse the Anabaptists have come. Oh, if that isn't a statement for the ages. Can you preach she's, it from the rooftops? She's absolutely right. Because I'm sure my experience is something that there's probably some Anabaptists sitting here going, what? We don't know what she's talking about. Because much to my surprise, as I got older, 
I learned that there's actually Anabaptists who still dress somewhat plain, although not to the level that we did. And they would have no issue with, for instance, having a tree and lights. And, you know, of course, they did not have only acapella music and they were happy to go to the Handel's Messiah performances at their local community places. And, you know, Christmas was a much bigger deal for them. But in the setting that my parents moved us into, why Christmas was definitely viewed with some strong skepticism. We heard frequent references to Christmas trees being like idols and, you know, <laughs> which confused little old me because I knew, I knew that we had had a Christmas tree and we sure as shoot never bowed down and prayed to it. I mean, hoping. <laughs> I do got to share this comment that actually breaks my heart. Um, speaking about the gifts, going back to the gifts, I am so sad to this day for my brother who was given a rubric's cube. That was it. He was being punished for being autistic. I am so... That's heartbreaking. As an autistic person, Marlene... I'm sorry. I can't begin to describe what Amish and Anabaptist people go through that are autistic and how they're treated. I can't. And I'm so sorry your brother went through that. As an XJW, I've done 24 Christmases now and I still love it. Heck yeah, that's what we do, Emma. Oh, oh, is that it, Hope Ann? What? Our Mennonites were a world unto themselves, right, Hope Ann? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Especially, oh. especially the really, really conservative ones. It's, there's so little, like there was so little um, outside interaction or connections with others, even though there was some, it's just really difficult to describe what it was like. Yeah. But it's definitely like your own little world. Um you know, you go to school with the same exact people that you go to church with in the community I was in. Almost everyone even worked together at the same employment locations. There, there was very little day-to-day -day diversity outside of your own little circle. Oh, that's very similar to like the uh, my Amish experience as well, where it's like people were absolutely isolated and even if they had interactions with with people outside of the community it was still like it was very limited like they weren't it you weren't supposed to like build like relationships really with outside community except for the purpose of business so if it was for business it was okay but if it was for like if being a friend to somebody then that wasn't necessarily okay there was a little tiny bit of that allowed, but it was very, very much emphasized that it was for the purpose of witnessing and ministry. Like, for example, um, if, if an Amish man went fishing 
and and then like an Englishman showed up at the same fishing hole, then that was considered a little bit suspect. Oh, wow. Suspect. But anyways, but we're a little bit off topic right now. <laughs> What's new, Mary? <laughs> well, so one of the things that makes me want to talk about the holidays is like there's there's been many holidays where I haven't felt like celebrating a lot, but I do love holidays. And when I lived in Germany, it was really nice because I got to go to the Christmas marks and the markets and that was just fantastic. And I actually miss those a lot. So it's been interesting to come back to the U.S. And then I feel like I don't really want to celebrate because it's so there's there's no Christmas market for me to go to. There's no place like that. Um, but last year I did actually go to a light show. That was fantastic. And it was this beautiful thing where you you got to drive your car through the lights and 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 just see all of that you tune your radio to the right radio station and then you had music coming through your speakers it was really really cool yeah we've we've done that um a couple times and yes that is a lot of fun yeah i like the light shows somebody said where what area are you from hope um you mean, well, when my parents relocated, they relocated to Kentucky. Okay. And so then I've lived in other locations. But Kentucky is where I spent most of my childhood and, and young adulthood in a Mennonite church. Gotcha. And so today you're not a Mennonite, right? No, we do not attend a Mennonite church. Okay. Awesome. I just want to make that clear for people so they understand that. <laughs> and then I had a question for you. Do you remember the story you told me about the brown bags and what you do with the brown bags? Isn't there something you do with the brown bags today? Um, no, I think I said that I, I missed it and I wish that we did. Yeah. But even though our church does a beautiful Christmas Eve service, which I absolutely love and try very hard to get to every time I can, they don't do the brown bags. But if I could uh, incorporate one element of my childhood back into my Christmas church traditions, that would be the one. Because it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to do that. I, I still have memories of one Christmas when I was a kid in Ohio um, that I, I still, in my head, I know I was bundled up. I already had my coat on and I can still remember the preacher and his wife standing in the foyer of the church, handing out these bags of wonderfulness as we walked out the door into this blowing, cold, snowy night. That sounds amazing. Hey, and maybe somebody from your church will watch this and maybe they'll incorporate it. <laughs> With my luck, they'll ask me to head it up. <laughs> there you go. You're the one who brought it up. Now you got more work to do. Hope yep, exactly. 
Um, I I have to say, oh, speaking my dialect. So PA Dutch is not German. It is not what they speak in Germany at all whatsoever. It is um, a whole different thing. Um, but anyways, so what about music? Don't you have like a record player now? Oh, I do. I definitely, that was something that I did years and years ago. I haunted eBay until I found a working record player. And I have slowly over the years looked through probably thousands and thousands of records in thrift stores all over. And I have slowly been rebuilding my collection of records. And yes, I have some very nice Christmas music again, along with other music. And it is one of my big joys when I find either a record that was by an artist that I know we had as a child or something similar that evokes some of the similar memories and musical associations. So that's been a huge thing for me. Um, the other thing we have done is try as much as we can to attend Handel's Messiah performances that's really been something very fun and meaning to, meaningful to our family over the years. And we just do tons of Christmas music. I've already been playing Christmas music for a few days. It plays in the car. It plays on my phone. It plays on the computer. I love Christmas music. That's amazing that you're able to go back and find music that is still bringing you joy today mm -hmm. even though yeah that's amazing and that's fantastic yeah it's like it's sometimes it's a matter of like finding um things that can evoke some form of peace and joy within you and embracing those for what they are mm -hmm. right <laughs> and then as we um kind of like went into a less conservative Mennonite church, obviously our holiday traditions were able to keep evolving. And so even before we would have exited from a plain church, we were already starting to do like more holiday, more of the holiday things I remembered from my childhood. Now that was a bit of a stretch for my husband because he had not grown up with those things and he had never lost them. So he didn't have any particular sentimental attachment to them. And he, of course, had had though some similar teaching against things like trees and stuff. Although he didn't have the negative anti-Christmas stuff, Christmas would have still been a pretty big deal. Like, it would have been a big day for family and food and gifts and, you know, a really positive thing overall. But a tree, that was a bit of a stretch for him. So we actually were able to work out initially a really good plan. And I don't know, you probably know from having been in Europe, but um, under the USSR, they tried to stamp out the idea of Christmas as a religious holiday. And they switched to a New Year celebration. And that became the big focus. And if you wanted to celebrate Christmas, you had to do so rather secretly and quietly. Uh, why does that amuse me and kind of tickle my funny bone? 
And so we initially, especially because we had strong ties to Europe and some strong reasons to know some of those holiday traditions, we initially started out having a New Year's tree. We literally would not put up our tree until after Christmas. We would put it up for New Year's and decorate it. And so that is initially how we kind of transitioned. And that was more comfortable for him. And then as he got more comfortable with it and realized, oh, hey, you know, this is really not anything scary. It actually brings a lot of beauty and joy to our home during the dark winter months. We just started putting it up earlier and earlier. And now it usually goes up right after Thanksgiving because everybody's like, oh, we need the lights. Let's get the lights. And so you want to chuckle with me? Sure. <laughs> My tree was put up on November 5th. Yeah, I think I remember. Yeah. Okay, continue. And I mean, we probably would do that too, except we thankfully have a lighted birch tree that sits in the living room where the Christmas tree usually goes and it will get displaced in order to put the Christmas tree up. So I've got my lighted tree, but no, I haven't been kneeling down and praying to the birch tree either. You haven't been? I'm so disappointed. Darn nope. it. Darn it. Nope. Somehow That's my terrible. parents managed to teach me when I was little and we had a tree that it wasn't an idol and we didn't pray to it. So interesting. So interesting. Um, I know. But, um, so an interesting thing about uh, living in Deutschland is that in Deutschland, they actually would have all of these Christmas markets and then um, New Year's they would have an additional celebration, but that was a little different. It was more or less for New Year's, they would go out in the streets and shoot off fireworks, everybody. Mm -hmm. And if you were sleeping, you would be awake at midnight. The church bells would ring for like 20 minutes. It's amazing. It's like the best ever ringing in the new year mm -hmm. that I've ever had. Like, I really, really, really love that tradition. Oh, that reminds me because before my parents went Mennonite, we always had a New Year's tradition too. <laughs> we lost that one too. Um, oh. on, New on New Year's Eve, you always went to church and you prayed in the new year. You literally went to church and you sang songs and you prayed until midnight. Like you went about nine o'clock. And so, yeah, I actually have memories of like laying on the floor under the church pew, falling asleep with everybody praying around me. I'd oh, forgotten all about goodness. that. It just came back when we were talking about it. No more uh, praying in the new year parties. Nope. Oh, no, no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I can't no. imagine that would be condoned either. <laughs> it's so crazy. So do you have any other types of Christmas decorations that you do? Oh, my goodness. We do um, pretty much, you name it, we um, try to incorporate it within, yeah, I mean, we've got the, we've got a few of the little village houses things that are very special to me. And we actually had those before we ever started doing a tree. Um, that, mm. you know, was a little bit more acceptable because it wasn't a tree. So you could have these little village, house, <laughs> village houses. Um, that was winter decor. You could have that. Um, 
Of course, I'm always buying panzettas. The kids start to laugh at me. They'll be like, Mom, we have panzettas. And I'll be like, yeah, but you don't have one in the upstairs bathroom yet. So here, we need this one. <laughs> um, one for each room of the house? Not quite, but we usually have a few. And you can, okay. get, such, you can get such cute tiny ones now that are so inexpensive. Why wouldn't you put a cute little teeny tiny you know, costs less than four bucks, Punzetta in your upstairs bathroom because it's going to give you joy, right? Right. It's going to make you Why feel, not? Yeah. Why not? So um, and then hang out, you know, the Christmas themed towels, um, throw some Christmas themed rugs here and there. Oh, what else do we do? Um, oh, I have some of the lighted, like the little lighted snowmen or things like that. Lights. It's all about lights for me. And I find that interesting, too, because there was so much aversion to lights and it was seen as such a wicked worldly thing. And I just I'm like, OK, but Jesus said he was the light of the world. Why are you guys scared of light? <laughs> I love my lights. Anyway, I love them all year round, but especially during the dark winter months, it's such a comforting, um, healthy thing for our brains, I believe, to have lights other than just like a harsh overhead light. The, the softer lights are very soothing. And in fact, one of my favorite things to do um, whether it's my lighted birch tree or it's my lighted Christmas tree is just to sit on the couch and look at the lights. There's something very calming and soothing for my brain with that. I love to go somewhere and just, you know, walk around even in the dark and look at the lights. I've sent you pictures of some of my favorite stuff. So, you know, right. um, those and then, gorgeous. of course, we do food. Food is important for Paul, especially because that's kind of his positive Christmas association. Um, and he likes to have chocolates and things like that around because that's what he associates with Christmas. So we do that. Um, we love going and, you know, taking a drive around and we'll, we'll maybe, um, like, take popcorn and hot cocoa or tea or something in the car, put on Christmas music, and we'll just drive all around the town and look at all the lights. We might do that several times during the month of December. Sometimes we'll even go somewhere um, special outside of town to go look at lights or go to the zoo and do like the zoo winter wonder lights. So there's just a lot of things we try to do to absorb all that light business. I'm really excited because um, I think it's awesome that you mentioned driving around just to look at the lights because I've done that a few times. I still do that. Mm -hmm. Every year I go and I drive around just to see the lights. I especially go to like the rich parts of the neighborhood. Like, you know, you go to the rich neighborhood. They have all the good lights, all the things I can't afford. They have it. That's oh, how yeah. we do that. And I then... I look at their light displays and I go, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad you let me enjoy this for free because I wouldn't <laughs> want to pay your electric bill. 
I'm so glad I don't have to pay this electric bill. I don't have the money for that. But you know what? This is beautiful. I love it. It's great. And then another thing is, it's like this year, I'm actually going to go to another light display that is ticketed. And I can't wait to go to that because that's going to be really interesting and fun, I think. Um, very much so. And one of the other things too when you talk about food so for me like a lot of the holidays are tied to or associated with food like we didn't celebrate fourth of july that i remember ever but as far as like you know when it comes to christmas or thanksgiving or many other types of holidays right there was always food associated with it mm -hmm. and I just love the whole, like, the baking thing that came with it and sometimes the candy making that came with it as well for specific holidays. Like, for Christmas, we would always, always sit there and we would make all this candy and it was so good. Like, I remember one year we made, like, two gallons of homemade turtles. Do you know what turtles are? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just all of, all of that. Like, that's that's been missing from my life because it's really hard to make like when, when you go from making um, those amounts of candies and cookies and all the other baked goods like gingerbread gingerbread is still delicious I will tell you that if you make it right it's it's definitely delicious um, we do we do ours in a cast iron skillet oh that's amazing and it is good Mm-hmm. And then like my well, one of my grandmothers, the one that I actually knew, like I remember her like having this candy room and like when I was really little, she would like give us a piece of candy. She'd have all the grandkids line up and and give us each a piece of candy that we chose from her shelves. It was pretty crazy. But oh, it's wow. like all of that, like, you know, is just gone so when mm -hmm. you get shunned like a lot of times you lose all of that like whatever traditions that you had that you found that were good for you like they're gone and so sometimes what happens is for example I found um I have a friend who really loves Christmas as well and sometimes we do make things for the holidays mm -hmm. and then um there's there's a group of people that's specifically for LGBTQ folks that's called TikTok stand-in families. And mm -hmm. through that, I found some other people that also love to bake as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really interesting how we can still embrace those things that do bring us some form of joy and peace and mm -hmm. help us kind of navigate that. Mm-hmm. Right. And speaking of grandmas, that reminds me, my grandma, who was not playing, um, she, as long as she physically could do it, would typically bake and send us a box of homemade candies and things like that for Christmas. So we did still have that even after we became plain. Um that was important and special and something we always really looked forward to. And my parents would have kept up some level of gift giving. So we still had that. But when there was so much um, 
anti-Christmas rhetoric, it really impacted especially one of my parents. And so they tended to really just kind of drag their heels and not really often didn't really want to fully enter into participation. And so it was always just a little bit, you never knew quite what you were going to get or what to expect. <clears throat> and that mm -hmm. was, of course, difficult too, because children want that stability and they want that security. Well, they thrive on that stability and security. Right, exactly. Also, did you guys ever have taffy? Because we made taffy. I remember making taffy very, very, we, very well. I think we did make it a few times, but I don't remember that we actually made it directly in conjunction with any holiday. I think it was something we just did on the side because we had read about it in the Laura Ingalls Wilder books. Oh, wow. No, we made taffy. Another thing is, is um, at one point in time, we lived somewhere where we had a sugar maple, um, like the, oh, fun. where we made maple syrup. Mm-hmm. And, and and then you can actually take maple syrup and make whipped candy, whip right. candies with them and shape them. Like those were really good to make as well. Yeah, so, I, I think you probably, I'm guessing you probably did more um, in the kitchen than we might have. But I do remember as I got older, I wanted to have more nice traditions and stuff so as I got older I started taking on responsibility I would just on my own get up and make something special for Christmas morning breakfast um I typically I think tried to make lemon scones or something I'd have to look in my recipe box and see what the recipe was actually called but yeah see I would I remember always making chocolate covered cherries and mm. those, I, the first time I had a botten chocolate covered cherry, I, I, I spit it in the trash can. I was going to say, they usually have enough preservatives in those things to be nasty. No, those I are disgusting. I don't generally even try to eat them for that reason. I don't like tasting the preservatives. But when I make them, I will eat them. But when, when you buy them, I will not touch them. They're disgusting. They're not even edible. I wouldn't feed it to my dog if my dog could eat chocolate. They're disgusting. They're not very I'm good. Just... I agree. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Like that was one of the biggest things for me is figuring out that like you can buy all of these things, but. Um, they don't hold a candle to homemade. They're disgusting. They're not edible. You know, when we first lived in Ohio, there was a factory that made candy called the Bloomer Chocolate Factory. Unfortunately, it went out of business and I still miss because that was our, while we were still conservative Mennonite, that was one of our holiday traditions was we would go get a basket of that Bloomer Chocolate because they sold it in big, like sort of woven baskets and you could get a basket of assorted chocolates. And oh my goodness, that stuff was so good. And they went out of business and I haven't found any chocolate here in Ohio that I like quite as good. I've, I've eventually found that if I go to Holmes County in one of the shops up there, they have some chocolate that's probably a close second. But it's, 
not bloomer chocolate and it doesn't come in the holiday basket you know you have to get that and put it in a brown paper bag and then they weigh <laughs> it you know so Ben's letting everybody know hey <laughs> i want my brown paper bag with some bloomer chocolate okay okay well i can't get the bloomer anymore so i gotta settle for what's up in holmes county at the um Oh, big sh shop there in Walnut Creek, I think it is. I the Walnut Creek Cheese Store, whatever I forget what it's called right now. I could take I you to it. To a chocolate factory in in Berlin, where they where I watched them make chocolate. It was pretty cool. Okay, well maybe this chocolate comes from there. I don't know, but if you come visit yeah. me sometime, we can go to the big shop and buy the chocolate. Oh, hey, look. So, um, Ruth Ann shares their Christmas morning breakfast, the works, fried mush and eggs and maple syrup and pork puddings. Hey, y'all, I want to tell y'all something about fried mush. So, I'm sitting at a social event the other day, and I had made the Bob Andy pie, which y'all should know about. Most of the people that follow me know about the Bob Andy pie. <laughs> Even I know now. You educated me. <laughs> Anyway, so I have made the Bob Andy pie. So I'm sitting there at this table talking to these people. And we start talking a little bit about like some Amish traditions. And I explained to them how we would take the corn and we would dry it in the oven. Then we would grind it up. We would cook it like mush, set it. And then we would slice it up and make fried mush, right? We would serve this like, like Ruth Ann is saying, oh my God, I miss mush so much. Um, but anyways, I explain all of this, and this person responds with, um, oh, so you're like the slaves, which I'm still trying to figure out how that computes or even correlates with, like, fried mush slavery. I'm, I'm so confused. But if y'all figure it out, feel free to help me understand this, because I don't understand this. Just... I think there's a difference between making your own cornmeal mush from scratch because you want to versus being told to do it by your master with the threat of a whip over your back. I think there's a big difference, Mary. I mean, I mean, I, I just don't see the correlation there. Kind of like <laughs> if you want to go make your own chocolate covered cherries versus eating the store-bought ones that's your choice you've got freedom of choice woman right but also like i sometimes tell people no self-respecting amish woman would ever go serve that over the table <laughs> yeah marlene that's exactly why amish markets thrive because no self-respecting amish woman anyways at least the ones that can cook and bake there are some of us that cannot cook and bake okay okay yeah, I always get amused when everybody thinks, oh, you're, yeah, you're like the world's best cook and baker mm. and house cleaner. And I'm like, guess nah. again, guess again. Some of us have interests that are not what you typically think. And so, yes, while I can clean and I can cook and I can bake enough to save my life, um, don't think that it's my first love and joy or that it comes super duper easy to me. I have things that are things I much more enjoy. Right. I can cook, but do I prefer to? Not if I had to choose between cooking and baking, I'd be baking. Baking. Baking is my jam. That's my thing. But That's not the bread. thing. 
I don't. No, 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 no. I make all the bread. All my, the bread. My teenage son makes all the bread. Um, Sarah asks Ruthann what is pork, uh, pork pudding and hi, Linda. Maybe we could commission Linda to make us bread. Oh boy. Mush is poor man's food and it's very lowly. <laughs> okay. Are we going to talk about Scrapple? It's coming right up. Some <laughs> call it Scrapple. It's the leftover bits. Oh, I also explained Scrapple and again, like the comparison to slavery. And I'm just like, um, no, it's not. Yeah, no. Look, Marlene says I am the world's best cook and baker in my mind. Don't ask for confirmation from the husband. Okay, let me let me tell you all a story. So I have spent my entire life saying, oh, I'll try anything once as far as food goes. But I can also tell you stories about me literally throwing up because food was so disgusting. And when you go to most restaurants and you order mashed potatoes, those things are the most disgusting piece of crap that I have ever seen. It's inedible. It's not food. They just made something up and threw it in a pot and then put some salt on it and that's it. Okay. I'm not a great cook, but I'm okay. Well, you're always tantalizing and tempting us with your baked goods, so... Yeah, because I do love baking. But anyway, Scrapple is state food here in PA. <laughs> Look, we used to butcher the pig and then we take all the bones and put it in a kessa. The big I never kettle. ran in I never ran into Scrapple until my parents went Mennonite. Oh so that was that was a learning curve. Well, but I haven't know what... had any. I haven't had any scrapple for years, and I, you know, I've lately been. I guess I'm getting old, because I've thought, hmm, I I could do with a slice of good scrapple now. I'd like to try it and compare it to my childhood memories. I think too for us, like we always butchered in the winter, and so in the winter time, I really want like some of that when we made the first sausage. We would get like deer and pig and mix it together and make the bologna with it. Like in the winter time, I really want some of those things sometimes. Or just having a good venison stew. You know? It we would have we would have had wild game because I was used to eating wild game before we became Mennonite. My dad was a hunter. And so I would have had moose and deer and bear and antelope and pheasant and rabbit and you name it. And nope, fact, in fact, our, our broad exposure to wild meat was kind of a source of amusement in the plain community we were in. And it, it kind of became a running joke to the point that my brother um, got a bit of a reputation for being a wild meat um, connoisseur because <laughs> if you could kill it, he would be likely to eat it. And well. one, one time he was at a youth, a rare youth thing because there were visitors. And so a family had hosted a youth thing. And they had a bonfire and a lizard went skittering 
And the girls squealed and he, you know, said that, well, if they would catch it, he would eat it. And all of a sudden, all the girls who had been squiggling suddenly were in hot pursuit of this lizard and they caught it. Did he eat it? He roasted it and ate it. <laughs> you know, you know, sometimes. So um, somebody in my family once shot a bear and they granted up and made some burger patties and um, presented it as ground beef to one of my uncles and he apparently threw up because that was disgusting to him but he did, he it was good until he knew it was the ground beer yeah I, I don't get that if it's good it's good I mean you know yeah. what's what's so different about bear versus a big old fat pig not much not much hey Marlene says my mother and grandmother would prepare groundhog that sounds interesting yeah, we ate groundhog, too. I don't remember ever eating antelope, but I know we had, like, venison, pheasants, um, mm -hmm. rabbits. Like, we had a lot of wild meat that we would we would eat. I did see a squirrel this morning. We also ate squirrels. I saw yeah. a squirrel this morning. And I have a question for you all because I'm, I'm driving down the road and I'm going, oh, there's a pretty squirrel. I wonder how many of... <laughs> Y'all, I'm weird. Welcome to my weirdness. I wonder how many Amish and um, plain children, how many, how many of those children actually know about like Alvin and the Chipmunk and the cool little songs they sing. <laughs> I'd really like to know that because I don't think they know about that. Do you think they do? Um. I would say not the really, really conservative ones, but some of the mid-level conservative ones might because they might have heard about it from relatives or friends or something. But you never know. I mean, stuff is so weird nowadays. You just never know. You like never one, time, one time I found out that some comments I had made in a private Facebook group got printed off and handed around and ended up back in the community that I came from. <laughs> you were doing the Lord's work. <laughs> I don't even remember what the comments were. I don't think it was anything that was, you know, got me into my hot water, but yeah. Ruth you just really never know nowadays. You just don't. Ruth Ann says I was pretty mature until I crossed paths with Elvin Chipmunk. <laughs> Hey, I can tell you. Sorry. I, I can tell you. I can tell you a story about me and my wild meat. I grew up. I remember in Kentucky. And what does Kentucky have a lot of? Kentucky has a lot of streams. Oh, so that's not uh, what I was going. At. I hope Ann um, decided one day that there were an awful lot of little crawly pinchy things in the streams called crawdads and they looked enough like shrimp that oh, maybe Lord. they were edible and i went fishing yes i did mary they I are went, edible but i went fishing i like got an old diaper pin and tied it to a string and i went fishing <laughs> and i caught crawdads and i came home and killed them and cut the tails off and fried them in butter and ate them. 
Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. Ah, it was Lordy, a Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. It was a one-time experiment, but yeah, I can I can claim to have been a, a virtuous Proverbs 31 teenager and gone and, you know, hunted and found and killed and fixed my own meat. <laughs> now I'd rather decorate my house for Christmas. Well, and you know, like, I'd rather just make cookies, you know, like when you make the little butter cookies and you make like a little lemon icing for them, like the cookies with the cookie press. Have you ever seen those? I think, yes. Yeah, those are like the best. They're like these light, like just melt in your mouth wonderfulness. And then you have that lemon icing on them and they're just like, ah. Oh. And also... I'm like a wonderful person. I've kind of decided that like my house is like Dick the Skulls. <laughs> By the way, for y'all who didn't as, know. As long um, as we're not finding any dead um, animal carcasses, you know, a la the hoarders, Mary. Have you watched any of those shows? <laughs> we're good. No, no, we're there's good. no animal carcasses. They're all buried in the backyard. We're good. <laughs> Hey, uh, I, I did. The first year I was married, I found an amazing recipe on a York peppermint patty brownie bag, and I decided I had to try it. And so that is our yearly um, kind of tradition, but it sort of got ruined in a way because too many of my kids are dairy allergic. And of course, what is York peppermint patty brownies loaded with dairy? So, uh, so unfortunately I have to just make a small pan for the people who can eat it, or I have to make a big pan and share it, which is cool. Cause I've got, um, somebody in my life who seems to like all things chocolate as I do. So it works, but yeah, your peppermint patty brownies are where it's at in terms of holiday baking for me as something that I've done pretty much probably every year for the last 30 years you might have to share that recipe with some people yeah i might yeah you just might but you know we're running out of time do you have any um ending thoughts for anybody that is listening i think it's important if you've lost your traditions for one reason or another um like in my case i lost traditions multiple times I think it's important to figure out ways to create new traditions that work for you, because especially if you have traditions, that's so good and healthy for your children. Did I say if you have traditions? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think my, I thought for a minute, maybe my brain glitched. Um, so traditions are really healthy, especially for children. I think they're good for us too if we have ones that we're happy and comfortable with, but I know it's especially important for children. And you don't have to spend your life feeling frustrated and angry maybe at what you've lost. You can start to rebuild and create something new and beautiful and wonderful yourself for yourself and or your children. And I'd like to add to that, that you can also take traditions and change them in ways that make it okay and safe mm -hmm. for you to engage in them mm -hmm. and 
help you feel healthy, happy, and whole. And you deserve to feel healthy, happy, and whole, especially around the holidays. A lot of people struggle with feeling like they're alienated, isolated, Mm -hmm. when they've went through being excommunicated and being shunned and being disfellowshipped and all of the other similar terms out there that cause them to not have a space to go celebrate holidays in the way that they used to have. Mm-hmm. But you can, I'm here to tell you, you can create a space for you to celebrate holidays. Right. And you deserve to have that space. And, and don't, don't give up, especially if what you're mourning is connections with people. Don't give up. Eventually, I think the right people will come into your life as you look to surround yourself with good and safe people. And you may find your holiday traditions are not exactly like they were before, but they can still be wonderful and meaningful. And don't forget the story of the young black guy who got the text from the lady who accidentally texted his phone And she was an older white woman and he was a young black guy. And they ended up, even though it started all out as an accidental phone texting, they actually have formed a loving, enjoyable relationship where they actually do get together and celebrate the holidays together. Have you seen that story, Mary? I have heard a little bit about that story. It's amazing. The story is beautiful. Um, It's amazing. Real quick, one of our listeners said only if you have a family is it worth making traditions. Um, I'm going to respectfully disagree with that. You don't have to have a blood family to make traditions that work for you. You deserve to have happy holidays that make you feel healthy, happy, and whole. Whether your blood family accepts you or not, whether it is you even if you buy a ticket and go to the other side of the country to celebrate the holidays, it does not matter. You deserve to have a good holiday season. Absolutely. And even if you're single, it's important that you do things that help you feel safe and good and nurtured mm-hmm. and that you practice good self-care, even if you're single. Yes, you deserve so to be. Like- Light those candles, put up those lights, whatever. I mean, one of my children, one of my adult children is having their own place for the first time. And I was very happy when they told me they had gotten a little tiny tree. It's a very small one because, you know, their first place is a small place. But that made me happy that they wanted to start their own tradition and have their own tree. And then they're going to be able to take their ornaments, which became one of our traditions that every year we got an ornament for our children and we would hang it on our tree. But then we always told them it's yours to take when you leave home. So I'm very happy that they want to have a tree to hang their childhood ornaments on. That is fantastic. And you know, I actually buy an ornament every year for myself, if not two or three. But there's that. And I also have skulls on my tree, just just so y'all know. Lots of them. Uh, that's um, you have what did you say? The skulladays? <laughs> that's right, I have the skulladays. Um our listeners said, I mean I'm single and no kids, but yeah, 
you know, whether you're single or, or you have a family, it doesn't matter. You still deserve to have your own traditions that feel good mm -hmm. for you. Make um, your space beautiful and comfortable and do what makes you happy. Even if it's a donut and a cup of special coffee or, or you fry a whole pan of bacon and eat it all. It's okay. Exactly. <laughs> bacon is where it's at, Mary. Yep. And on that note, I'd like to end this um, by saying, I hope you all are able to celebrate just existing in this world. I want to thank Hope Ann for sharing openly and honest, honestly. It's such beautiful inspiration and just embracing traditions or even learning new traditions that bring you joy around the holidays is a very powerful statement. I hope each of you knows you're not alone as you walk this journey. You're not alone. And I hope each of you find some joy and peace as we go into the 2021 holiday season. Have a beautiful and blessed day. Thank you for joining us, folks. Thank you to our wonderful guest. And this concludes today's episode of Coffee with Friends. Have a beautiful and wonderful Thanksgiving, everybody.